Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Kings fans and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kinville. We got a really fun show lined up for you tonight because guess what? It's just us running our mouths. It's been a while since we've done this, guys. And uh, so we're going to sit here and bounce some uh, crazy ideas off each other and see how it goes. So anyways, before we get started, I want to let you know you can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hockey underscore Royalty and also for the podcast at Royalty underscore Pod. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Hockey Royalty, and I think that's about it for our social media connections for right now. So anyways, before we get jumping into our show, which, by the way, is going to be mostly signing, surrounding around the free, the Kings free agent signings, I want to bring in my panel. And first of all, a guy who's got some huge news that we had alluded to on the last <laughs> episode. Uh, there was a very good reason he was absent, but you guys know him as the Shakespeare of Hockey Royalty itself. Mr. Ryan Sykes, what's happening, pal? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. A little more sleep deprived these days, but excited to, to be back here with you guys. Well, that's uh, well. There's a good reason for that, though, isn't there? I'm actually holding her right now. I don't know if you. Hey! Even know. <laughs> Look at that! Look at yeah, that! We finished uh, the feeding right before we started, so. Well, we didn't get a chance to tell the listeners on the last pod because uh, you were in the process when we were we were recording. Uh, Ryan has become a father to a beautiful baby girl. So congratulations, brother. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks. Third kid. It's definitely uh, easier than the twins so far. Just in terms of <laughs> feeding and, and stuff like that. There's only one to focus on. <laughs> well, give it time. That's a- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and up next, as usual, our usual compadre, our cohort, if you will. Uh, as you guys always know, I'm telling you, this guy is the master of all things analytic. He around here at Hockey Royalty, he is the prince of PDO. He's the count of Corsi and everything else in between. Mr. Russell Morgan, what's happening, Russ? What's going on, Scott? And big congrats to Ryan, who's uh, 
really cool. And we were kind of looking forward to, I know you kind of were, didn't know what your schedule was going to be like. So congrats to you and your family and hopefully wishing you guys the best. Thanks, Ross. Yeah. And, and do you mean uh, you didn't know? Didn't know. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, well that just perfect segue into what we got to talk about. Uh, but first of all, I do want to let you guys know that if my voice gives out every once in a while, it's because I had a pretty damn good weekend, to be honest with you. Um, the pictures I sent you, I went to an 80s party this weekend, guys. And uh, being 47 years old, it took me right back to my wheelhouse. Uh, had a wonderful time, I got to tell you, but I don't recover as quickly as I did back then. So, uh, <laughs> so like I said, if the voice gives out, forgive me. But anyways, uh, we are here tonight to talk about the free agent signings our LA Kings have made. Uh, you know, it was kind of a toss up going into the free agency period, what they were going to do. You know, um, I, I think Rob, Rob Blake did a great job of playing it close to the vest. That's for sure. Um, you know, some wanted a huge splash. Others were like, nah, we're, we're just going to hold the line. Uh, nobody knew for sure. And then all of a sudden, and, you know, starting off, we're like, yeah, they're going to hold the line. They're not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden the news wire lit up like a Christmas tree mm -hmm. with the signing of Philip Dano, uh, six year contract, five and a half million dollar AAV. Uh, looks like he's going to solidify the second line for this year. Anyway, what do you guys think about this signing? Well, I'll start. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was rather interesting to say the least at first. I mean, I don't think the a lot of Kings fans were really anticipating a center being one of the positions that the Kings were going to lock up in terms of long term with the amount of center prospects that are in the pipeline coming up. Um, but I mean, Philip Deneau is a hell of a player, and I, I mentioned in an article I wrote the other day, he's an he's an analytical beast. I mean, he really is. I mean, you look at his expected goals four percentage, better than Connor McDavid. His goals four percentage is better than Connor McDavid, and it's kind of hard. A lot of I hear a lot of people talking about how he doesn't really put up a lot of numbers in terms of the box score, and, and that's true. But I mean, when you're, I mean, if you just kind of think about it, I mean, the the entire goal of the game is to score more points than the other team. So if he's limiting the amount of points that, let's say, a Mark Stone is scoring or anyone else that he's playing against is scoring, then he's doing a damn good job. He's one of the best at doing it. So I see it was a great signing. And, you know, for offensively, he shot the puck at a career low of 6.8% last year. So I think he still has a lot to give. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, I seem to recall a team about, you know, seven, nine years ago that did a pretty good job of limiting the other team's scoring chances <laughs> while not putting up a heck of a lot of their own. And it seemed to work out pretty good. What team was that, Scott? Yeah, some, <laughs> some team in Los Angeles that we're always talking about. Oh, the LA Kings. The that's Dodgers. right. Imagine, yeah, well, uh, you're in the wrong sport, but that's okay. Oh, you're, okay. you're sleep deprived. We forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know what? I, I don't mind it. I, I think it was actually a really good idea. And, uh, you know, not to dive into what's already been said, but it has been said that, you know, this was actually a signing that was made with Anze Kopitar in mind. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I, I didn't realize it, but my God, you know, Kobe has been logging a lot of time over the, you know, especially the past few years uh, without having a lot of center depth behind him. He's pretty much had to be the one man band. And, you know, let's face it. He is starting to get up there in age a little bit. I think he's 33 right now. And if you want him to be a significant part of this team going forward, do you want to continue to, you know, just, send him out there 22, 24 minutes a night when, you know, he may need just a little bit of a rest each game to extend his career more or less. I mean, in the overall big picture. And I think Dano is going to do a fantastic job of that. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something that they, I mean, Rob Blake brought him in for. I mean, just to kind of take away his minutes. And that's something that Dano mentioned in his press conference with um, after the, um, the trade went down or the acquisition went down. So, um, yeah, if, if if the Kings are able to limit some of the defensive responsibilities that Kopitar has needed to do the last few seasons, that way it opens up his ability to be more offensive in his game. I mean, that's just only going to help his scoring just going forward. I mean, we've always talked about trying to find uh, a kind of a, like an offensive threat to play with Kopitar, but we never really thought about the idea to, of a defensive threat to take away that responsibility from Kopitar. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely something that Deneau is going to bring to the game. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, it was, it was a great idea. I, 
I, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I, you know, we heard this, the rumblings, right? Oh, the Kings might be interested in Philip Deno. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, no, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I'm nervous, right? It certainly crowds the centerman room. It does. Yeah, but I, I think it also kind of, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later on in the show, but I think it's going to accelerate some decisions that had to be made anyways. Sure. No, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, I think, there's, it's funny, there's an, like a, a really eerie comparison here to when the Kings acquired Jared Stahl. They, they acquired Jared Stahl with the idea that, I mean, at the time he was the second center when he was brought in in 2008. Um, but he wasn't really, he wasn't the second line center when they eventually won the cup in 2012. That was Mike Richards. And we all know, or we kind of have this idea that Philip Deneau is not going to be the second line center when the Kings are Stanley Cup contenders. That's either going to be Quentin Byfield or whoever else. I mean, but uh, yeah, roll the <laughs> pick a name out of that. Exactly, pick a pick a center <laughs> if you want. But yeah, I mean, it should be Quentin Byfield. So I mean, with Phil Deneau coming in, I mean, he has a. It, some people said that was a pretty high salary to give him, but I mean, if we look at it, when Jared Stahl was brought in, his cap hit at the time was six point three five percent, and Phil Deneau's cap hit right now is six point seven five percent. So it's really not that high. And if you think about it, once. Now if the cap is kind of flat, it's, it's flat cap right now. In a few seasons, it's not going to be flat. It's going to go up. So that cap hit that Philip Deneau is going to have right now isn't going to be as high as at the time. So it's a great signing. I mean, it's great long-term signing. So it's not just for short-term. He'll be here for six years. So looking forward to what he can bring when the Kings are contending. You know, that's a great, great point, Ross. And I was thinking that too. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, people are flipping out. Oh, my God, five and a half. It's like, yeah, but. Not for nothing. Look at the money that was thrown around in free agent frenzy. Do you really think NHL general managers right now are worried about a flat cap? I don't. And as we've seen over the past couple of years, there is certainly ways to get around, you know, cap restrictions. I mean, say what you want about them, but it's all legal. It's all in the CBA. So, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, there's only a couple of teams that have been quote unquote called out on it, but I'm sure every team is looking at that going and say, Hey, we can do that too. You know, but I think the thing with Dano is you got to remember, and it circles right back to Kopitar. So Kopi's contract expires in three seasons. Now, of course, they're going to resign him because I, obviously he'll still have tread on the tires left, gas in the tank, however you want to put it, whatever cliche you want to mm-hmm. use. Okay. But at that particular point, obviously he's not going to be making 10 million AAV, but he's also probably not going to be the first line center. He's going to be kind of fading back down the lineup a little bit as the King Junk centers begin to emerge and take their place in the hierarchy, right? So eventually, if you've got, say, a third and a fourth line with Kopitar and Deneau, as you're just hear me out, because this is how deep the Kings are at center, or even if Kopi goes to a second-line center position, right? Mm-hmm. That is still incredible depth that you've mm-hmm. got. And again, it, it all comes back to you lessen the load on Kopitar, and I think this is how you're going to extend his career, really. Scott, can I ask you, do you still think Quentin Byfield plays at the NHL level this year? I do. Where do you uh, slot him? I mean, where do you slot him in if you look at the opening roster? Here's why this is so perfect. This this signing and everything. Okay. So obviously Kopi's gonna be your one C. You start the season with Philip Deneau at two C. What's it gonna hurt? Right? And Russ, you made a great point. Or was it or Brian? He's he had a what, six point eight shooting percentage last year? career yeah, loss. Yeah, yeah right? that's so, what I said. Yeah. So there's only so there's only one place to go and that's up, okay? Now the reason that I'm going to say that you put Quentin Byfield in at 3C and that's so long as he shows in camp that he can do it, okay? I know that, you know, I put that article out about, was a week ago and it, it might have seemed to some like I was, you know, advocating, oh just just give him the spot. Just not necessarily. He's going to have to earn it because there's going to be a ton of competition in camp. But all things considered, apples to apples, oranges to oranges. If Quentin Byfield is the man, there is no reason to put him down in the AHL if he is ready indeed. If he shows that he's better than the centers that are competing against him, you put him in at the third-line center, and I'll tell you why. You're still going to have Kopi at 1C to take care of the, the hard offensive minutes, so to speak. You got Deneau at 2C. He's going to take care of the hard defensive minutes. Quentin Byfield at 3C is going to see the other team's third-line matchups which aren't the first-line matchups, which aren't the second-line matchups. And if you think about it for a second, what's he going to get at the AHL that he wouldn't get at the third line of the NHL, okay? And he's going to get to learn under Anze Kopitar, 
Philip Deneau, Drew Doughty, all the rest of the veterans that are still there. And there, there's no price tag or there's there's nothing that you can put on that that it convinces me otherwise. And plus, but I'll tell you something further, and I'm probably kind of spoiling my whole spiel for the rest of the show. But anyway, <laughs> since you got me started, Ryan, <laughs> um, the Kings are going to have to figure out how to get at least two of these prospects into the lineup. Because yeah. what's going to end up happening is, yeah, I know, everybody wants to keep them off their ELCs. I understand that. But the thing about those ELC is that if you bring them all up next year, number one, you're going to have, what, five or six rookies when the Kings are supposed to be a legit playoff contender? One. And two, you start all those ELCs in the same year. Well, guess what? All those ELCs expire at the same time. And let's say these kids hit. Let's say, yeah, guess what? They were as good as advertised. And they want to get paid after three years. Well, now you're going to have to figure out how to come up with about, oh, say, $20, $25 million in cap space. Not exactly an easy task. I'm not saying it's not doable. But I think that if you bring at least two of them up. And my my picks, by the way, are Byfield and Kaliev. I think those are the two that are the most ready, just from my eye test from last year. Now, of course, training camp could change everything. I'm not saying that it wouldn't, okay? Start spreading those DLCs out a little bit so that way you can stagger them, make it a little bit easier to re-sign and to fit it into the salary cap going forward. Scott, what about a guy like Rasmus Kapari who's going to burn year two of his ELC this season no matter where he plays? That's a very good point, Ryan. That's an excellent point. Um but I will ask you this. What does Rasmus Kapari bring that Quentin Byfield or Arthur Kaliev doesn't? His finish. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great answer. It's exactly what the Kings need. Is some yeah. <laughs> finishing. Um, no, I'm not denying he's a great player. And, and he should see NHL time this year. I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't mind, honestly, at some point seeing most of the prospects get some, some kind of time at the NHL. The high-end prospects, I should say. Right. Yeah, I don't want to jump ahead of – I think we have some listener questions that probably kind of pertain to that. But, yeah, like uh, it's funny that you mentioned, Scott, the, the as far as the ELCs. And I had some – I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter about that, and they said, well, this contract that the no sign is going to not look as great when you have to pay, out, like, all those prospects going like in a few years. And I said, well, if the Kings have to pay those prospects a lot of money, that means they're playing pretty good enough to where they deserve that money. So that seems like a pretty good problem to have where you have prospects that are have to take on six, seven million dollar contracts. Sure. Apparently, look at what Kale McCart just got, and he's only yeah. he's still young. He's 21 years old, I believe. So yeah. so I mean, if you have Quentin Byfield, who's only 19, who's taking on a six, seven million dollar cap hit in two, three years, that means he's playing rather good in the NHL. So I right. it's something Rob Blake would be pretty happy about. Yeah, and Zach Warinsky too, right? Zach Warinsky, yeah. <laughs> You know, so and we can actually get to that in just a minute. But, I mean, just one other point about Byfield, and I'm glad you said that, Russ. He is going to be 19 to start the season this year. He's no longer 18 years old. And, I, and to me, honestly, it doesn't make all that much difference. 18, 19, I mean, we're talking about a year's difference. We're not talking about comparing, you know, 18-year-old Quentin Byfield to 28-year-old Quentin Byfield, right? And I, and I get it. A year is a year. But let's, but let's face it, guys. He's already had some time at the AHL, and he looked pretty good once he got used to it there. Right. He's played in two world junior championships. He's seen plenty of competition. And so to me, so long as he can prove it in camp, I'm telling you, I think they should slot him in at three C. And who's your fourth line center in Scott? Right now, J A D. Chad. So Velarde, he moves to the wing. I, I think you move Velarde to the wing. And I think actually it would do him a world of good to move to the wing with Denel, to be honest with you. But, like, because... I mean, you kind of see where I'm going with this and trying to fit the jigsaw, you know. <laughs> you got the, the Russian. You're not uh, the only one. <laughs> yeah, Russ's favorite young player, the um, Vladimir. The yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously you got Trevor Moore, Athens um, you know, a whole slew of guys that are looking to fit in along the wing. You know, something's got to give, and I think that's kind of where you're going with this whole conversation. Well, here's the thing, you know, like the Kings right now have a 100-piece jigsaw puzzle in front of them, but they've got 150 pieces, Mm -hmm. right? So, obviously, before the season starts, there is going to be either waivers or there's going to have to be some trades. I would be more inclined to look at trades, really, because if you know you've got this overabundance of forwards, instead of putting them on waivers, even if you're getting lower-round draft picks, start loading up. Why not? 
Load up for more assets down the road. If you know, if you have it pretty much in your head that these guys aren't going to cut it, right? And I hate to say, you know, and I don't mean that to sound cruel. I'm just being realistic. Just because yeah, of the it's crowd. A, it's right, exactly. There's just, yeah. It's musical chairs right now. You yeah. got so many chairs and too many dancers, right? So at some point. Except for your 80s party, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You have no idea. You saw my costume. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, at some point, you know, like I said, you're either going to have to risk losing some of these guys to waivers or you cut losses, you get what you can get, and you move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's just like you said, it's just a crowd at this point. And that's why, I like a lot of these depth signings that the Kings have made, like, I mean, Andre South and Sears just one, and Blake Lazat another. It, it was almost kind of like, I don't want to say questionable, but it was just like an eye opener. Like, okay, yeah. well, where do these players fit in the grand scheme of things? Because, like, like you mentioned, there's, there's players that are ready to make that jump, and there's not a lot of room. Right. And, you know, we might as well talk about that uh, Anthony CU resigning. So he got one year, $2.75 million. Does that amount surprise you guys? Uh, no, I think his his projected amount was two and a half to three million. Yeah. I oh. just, I, I was actually, I, honestly, I was surprised. I, I really was. Um, of course, it was, you know, a right down to the wire decision, too, as to whether he was right. qualified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just yeah. surprising that they, I mean, the the money, I mean, I kind of get, I mean, the Kings had the red room, they maybe wanted to reward him for coming in, and he, he had, I mean, it, it, when I lo- looked at his stats, I mean, he's, he had the highest 5v5 point total per 60 uh, on the whole team, so, I mean, if he's, if he has the skill set, I mean, we we saw it, he, he was throwing some pretty nice, like, the dangles he was doing against Anaheim, and some really nice, like, individual scoring, um, but he didn't really have a good center or good line mates to role play right. with. So, I mean, he had those first couple games with Jeff Carter where they were just seemingly flowing down the, the wings, just getting two-on-ones and against those couple games against Minnesota, and then it just kind of disappeared. So it was really interesting to see that kind of just go away after a good start. So and I know he he had COVID last year, though, yeah, season yeah. as he well. COVID so, right when Blake yeah, did, too. Who, who knows how that impacted him throughout the season as well. So, and without, without even a, a regular training camp either. So no training camp, no preseason. He didn't really get acclimated to his line mates as, as well as he would during a normal season. So bring him back on one more year. He's scored 30 goals a year, a couple of seasons ago. So why not give him a shot? Kings can use that depth scoring. Right. I mean, that's, that's a very good point. That's an excellent point. And, and, you know, people forget about that. He did miss several games because of COVID too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, again, yeah, I think he was out for two weeks because of that thing. Yeah, yeah then, then did, didn't he miss like a few more after that? Uh, I think something like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He had three goal. He had uh, goals in each of the first three games. Tailed off, got COVID, and then just really never kind of bounced back from that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it just kind of adds to the uh, the logjam, which uh, <laughs> I, I do wonder though if like uh, the Kings might, if they're not really where they want to be, which I mean, kind of raises a whole another set of questions um, at the trade deadline. You know, if they might part with him and maybe uh, a Kempe or something like that. You know, I got to tell you something. <laughs> something tells me that Kempe is going to end up being the wild, the odd man out. I just, for some reason, and I know that's kind of blasphemy to say, but what happens if he goes into another 15, 16 game goalless drought again, right? And the Kings are depending on him to be a top six player because right now their bottom six is so loaded with, you know, pick a name, right? Uh, So I think at least for one more season, the Kings are depending on him to be top six. So he's got to show a little bit of consistency. And, uh, I mean, there was times last year, man, he looked like a world beater. He mm-hmm. was just unstoppable, you know? But, I mean, it's just like it's normal with him. I mean, he'll have a, a week, 10 days, of where, you know, he looks like the best left wing in hockey. And then all of a sudden, he just, you know, for whatever reason, tails off. And if he's going to be consistently in the top six, then that's that's got to stop. And because they certainly don't need him for the bottom six. Hold on, Hans Scott. I'm Googling streaky scorer. Oh, Adrian Kempe. Oh, look at that. No, I mean, it's it's, it's crazy because, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, he's, there's times where he's just a world beater. He's scoring – he's on four-game, five-game goal streaks, and you think like, oh, he, like 
great. This is the player that the Kings were expecting when they drafted him in the first round. But then all of a sudden he just disappears. And that's just been his, his, like his, that's what he's been as a, since he came in the NHL. So I, I don't really see the Kings getting rid of him. I mean, he's, he's, he's got $2 million of a cap hit. He's going to be restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. He's just been playing in a position that he's not, that he shouldn't be playing in. And I've, I've mentioned this before that I think Adrian, I think of Adrian Kempe as more of like a Carl Soderberg kind of player where he's, he's really effective on the third line. And that's the same with like a, like a Gabe Velarde who who's really effective on the wing. I mean, there's, there's just players right now on the Kings that are playing positions that they shouldn't be playing in. And once those players, now we have Deneau coming in, slide Velarde down or slide him over to the wing. And now you have Arvidsson coming in. So now he's sliding more players down. You have those quality players that are coming in. So now players that were playing in those positions that they shouldn't have been playing in are now more comfortable where they are at going forward. So I think that's what we'll see out of Kempe going forward. Yeah, but you just hit the nail around the head, Russ. $2 million AAV, tell you what, that's going to make him very attractive to trade partners too. Yeah, and it was last season as well. You I know, think the Maple Leafs were looking into him. Yeah, right. absolutely. You know what I'm curious of, guys, is where is Dustin Brown ultimately going to end up? I mean, does, uh, I mean, with this being his last year, do they give him his one last tour with Kopi, or is this going to be a oh. – are we going to shake it up and see what happens? Um, I think he starts up top with Kopi, and then perhaps it's a situation where he moves down to uh, third line, second line, maybe even fourth line at this point in his career. Um, I don't really know, but you know, he and Kopitar generally played well together during their tenure, so might as well start with that and go from there. Yeah, I would think so. My I mean, opinion, anyway. Yeah, why not? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Of course, like I said, I mean, I'll tell you guys, this training camp that's coming up is going to be one of the most entertaining training camps yeah, in yeah, a sure. very, very long time. Mm-hmm. That's going to be like must-see TV. And <laughs> Russ, you're so fortunate to be out there in L.A. Mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to go to this. Yep, <laughs> so I'll be there. We're very jealous out here uh, outside of Los Angeles. Thanks anyway. But <laughs> 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 Oh, boy. So uh, the Kings also made another free agent signing in uh, signing Alex Edler. A 15-year veteran from the Vancouver Canucks to a one-year $3.75 million AAV. Going to be interesting to see where he lines up. Where do you think, Ryan? Uh, Second line, or excuse me, second pairing. Really? uh, Matt Roy. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, he had uh, eight assists last year, but he was on a bad um, Vancouver team that struggled to keep anything out of the back of the net. Um which is odd because they have Quinn Hughes there too, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't put it all together. But he's a, he's a year removed from a 33-point season, two years removed, two and three years removed from 34-point seasons back-to-back. Um, still a lot left in the tank. It kind of reminds me of a um, Ryan Suter from the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. How about that so, contract he got, huh? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Alex Hedler, yeah, he's on a no no movement clause, three and a half million. I like it. You know, it's pretty low risk. He's six foot three. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the guys in the room be able to learn from him. He's a physical guy that registers at least like sixty uh, minutes and penalties per season. So, yeah, the the no movement clause actually was kind of interesting when I saw that because I mean, if you, if the Kings really aren't like, let's say the Kings don't make the playoffs. And it comes down to trade deadline. I mean, Alex Edler would be a really viable name to look at the trade deadline. Sure. But, for but sure. now that he has no movement clause, I, I think the agent actually mentioned that he was actually just looking for a new start and a fresh start. And I, when when you're a player who's at that age where he's probably got a family, he's probably looking to settle down maybe in the LA area. So he doesn't want to consider another move at this point in his career. So, I mean, but as far as him, his productive production on the ice, I mean, you think about it, that's just that's just going to slide maybe a Bjorn foot down. I, I envision him playing on the second period. Like you said, Ryan, right. He fits in right there with Matt Roy. I mean, he just finished another season where he played 20 minutes, 20 minutes a game. I mean, that's beautiful because it's going to take away some ice time from Drew Doughty, some ice time that Mikey Anderson is probably playing on the left side as well. And then he's just going to bring in some more effectiveness. I don't think he played as much ice, ice time on the power play for the Canucks last season, but I think there is a spot or an opportunity for him to get some power play time on the Kings next season. I'll tell you guys, I'm a little confused by this one. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I was doing, well, 
figurative backflips. There's no way I can do a backflip at my age right now. <laughs> uh, when Seattle did not take Cal Clegg. Uh, yeah. So, so with Cal so- Clegg, right? I mean, he's no longer waiver exempt. Yep. No so if he's going to be an LA King, it's got to be this season because I don't think that they're going to get away with sending him back down to Ontario without somebody claiming him. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. So but they, can he start down there? Or is it only if he's no, brought up and no, no, he's, he's, he's got to waivers. No. He gotcha. He's got to go okay. waivers. So here's the thing, right? I mean, all we talk about is getting that dynamic young left defenseman, right? That's all we hear about, which is great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him get a young dynamic left defenseman. Unfortunately, the going rate on a young dynamic dynamic left defenseman now appears to be about eight to nine million dollars a year. <laughs> And not to mention the prospects it's going to cost you to get one of these guys because they're all getting locked up left and right. And those that appears to be the most valuable position in hockey right now, apparently, according to the contracts. Yeah. So with that said, you bring in Alex Edler. She got Mikey Anderson. You got Toby Bjornfrog, who I don't think is going back down to Ontario. Obviously, Mikey Anderson isn't going down to Ontario. What good is it going to do to have Cal Clegg sitting in the press box? See, this... I, I threw this out in my last article and where I can see it. I can see a situation where Toby Bjornfoot is sent back down to Ontario. And the only reason I say that is because unless they get rid of Oli Mata, like you just mentioned, I mean, the Kings can't afford to lose Kale Clay just to waivers for free. I mean, but to, since Toby Bjornfoot's waiver exempt, send him down to Ontario, give him another year. You have a good left side of, Mikey Anderson, Alex Edler, and Oli Mata. Or, and then you have Kale Clay, who would be that seventh-pairing defenseman. Um, so, I mean, it, to me, it just makes a, little, makes a lot of sense. I mean, because Toby, he, I mean, he had a great year, I feel like, on his first year um, playing for the Kings, but he does still need that development. I mean, he was just only drafted in the first round just two years ago. I mean, look at Alex Turcotte. He still hasn't really gotten an NHL game, and he's drafted the same, same draft. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. Give him maybe another year, and let's see. Unless they get, unless they feel like they can make a trade or make a deal, or even they buy out uh, Olimata, I don't really see that happening at this point. But I don't know. It's, it's, that's just a situation I can see happening. Well, here's a fun fact: for as much as the, the Canucks struggled last year, so did the Kings, and Bjornfoot actually had more points than Edler. Um, I, I will say, <laughs> when I wasn't watching the Kings, I did watch a lot of Vancouver Canucks hockey. Uh, for the simple reason that the their farm team, the Utica Comets, well, they've now moved on to Abbotsford, but they were pretty close to where I live. So I always kind of like to watch, you know, the Canucks to see the guys that used to watch in Utica, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, you know, taking nothing away from Alex Edler. I mean, it's great to have a veteran presence in there. It really is. Because, I mean, you know, like, look, look, Matt Green, Willie Mitchell, look what guys like that did for the team, right? Robin Regeer. Um, However, Alex Edler is 35 years old. Yeah. And and watching him last year, it wasn't even so much the offensive struggles that jumped out. It was the fact that he was having a hard time keeping up with faster players in the league, right? And if you're going to bring him in to put him for top four minutes on the defense, you've got to be careful because the Kings are going to end up on the penalty kill quite a bit. And I'm not trying to point fingers and all that, but we really got to think this through because if you want to make him a third-pairing defenseman, fine. I got no issue with that. You know, manage his minutes, keep him fresh. Because if they do make the playoffs, a guy like that is going to come in very handy. But my biggest concern out of all this is, and and I'm just going to say it again, Cal Clegg. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I don't think, I don't think putting him in the press box, you know, for every two out of three games is going to do anything for his development. Right. And if you're looking for more offense from your blue line, Cal Clegg has improved his play in his second year at every level he's been at. So my guess would be, if given a legit chance, I mean, be it in training camp, or like I said, you're not going to send him back to Ontario. You can't. So he's going to have to play at the NHL level. And you know what, guys? The Kings are maybe going to be a fringe playoff team this year. Why the heck not see what you got in them this year? And if it doesn't work out, okay, it didn't work out. You can trade them, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at least you gave it a fair shot. Because, hey, you never know. Maybe he turns out to be that young, dynamic left defenseman we've been looking for. Maybe not in the vein of a, you know, a Zach Wierenski or a Miro Hishkinen or, you know, a Cal McCarr. I'm not saying that. But a middle-level dynamic left defenseman, not bad either. So, I don't know. Like I said, I don't mind Alex Edler as a depth piece. 
I don't mind that at all. But as far as playing top four minutes, I don't know. We're uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, it's almost getting to the point now where, much like the forward group, somebody's going to have to move on defense too. Yeah, I mean, in that regard, I, you said it already, but I think Mata's the odd man out there. Um, I wonder if he's going to be placed on waivers uh, in training camp at some point. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I saw a suggestion about buying him out. I don't think that's the way to go because you're going to extend that ta- that cap hit into next season. And for what, right? Yeah, it's, it's, if, not, it's not a whole lot, but yeah, I mean, I get your your point. Yeah, this but is why, dead money. Yeah, yeah but, but why carry it into next season, right? If you send him down to Ontario, yeah, you're still going to be on the, the hook for, I think it's $2 million of the, the cap hit, right? But the nice thing about having Olimata in Ontario, let's say you get a rash of injuries again. Look what happened last year when Wa, or we have Wa, <laughs> Roy and Walker, wow, getting back to that 80s night. Uh, Roy and Walker went down with injury, and all of a sudden the lack of depth got seriously exposed, mm-hmm. right? If you've got Olimata down in Ontario, Hey, you know what? I know it hasn't been a great trip for him here in LA, but it doesn't hurt to have a veteran defenseman down there that can come up, especially now that Mark Alt's gone. <laughs> yeah, a lot of question marks to do. I mean, and we're not—we haven't even mentioned like a player like Austin Strand, I mean, right? So that's just another piece piece of the puzzle that the Kings will have to figure out. So a lot well, of a lot of moves, and we'll see what happens come to training camp. Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, I think uh, you know, especially with Strand being on the right side, um, you know, you got Sean Dursey who maybe could use a cup of coffee at the NHL level to see what he can do. Because don't forget that pipeline just got seriously loaded on the right side too. With the, uh, the drafting of Brant Clark, you still got Helge Granz, you know, Jordan Spence. I mean, it's, it's the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And so something tells me that there's moves to be made. If not this season, then definitely in the off season next year. Um, I hate to say it, but somebody like Sean Walker could probably be on the move. Yeah, I know. Uh, got I mean, a very attractive cap hit, mm-hmm. you know, and he's a solid defenseman. He really is. It's just once again, the the musical chairs in the Los Angeles Kings lineup is starting to get a little uh little crazy here. So, <laughs> yeah, the Kings have quality and they have quantity. So, I mean, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a good problem to have. But oh yeah, there's a crowd. So some players are going to get ice time up in the NHL level this year. Some some are up to stay in Ontario. And that's just that's just the problem that you have when you have the best prospect pool in the NHL. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll tell you what, guys. Why don't we go to listener questions? We haven't done this in a while, and I've been actually – you guys mentioned that. I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea because <laughs> listener questions are so much fun, and we haven't done it in a while. And, of course, we are going to lead off with my favorite Twitter name of all time, Dirty Harry, Mr. Richard Sarabia. So anyways, and Richard's got a bunch of questions here, so I'm going to try to break this down into pieces. So, first of all, he wants to know, which prospects do you see stealing a spot? And which prospects are you looking forward to seeing the most? So let's take in those two first. Ross, what do you think? Uh, you guys mentioned his name. I think it's Rasmus Kupari. And the reason I say that is because he's put in the time. And I think if you play Quentin Byfield over him, that's doing a disservice to the amount of work he's putting in Ontario. And he just, he's, he's been good. He's been good in the, in the, on the rain. And he, even in this, the few games he played with the Kings last season, I thought he, he should. Well, um, the only problem is, is just, he's like, we mentioned, he's a center and where do you play him? You got Jared Anderson Dolan probably on the fourth line, Blake Lazat still on the team and Gabe Velarde is probably going to be on the third line. Although I, it's, it sounded like Rob Blake was pretty willing to move him over to the wing just even sooner rather than later. So we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, Rasmus Kupari is a player I think that should get some time in NHL. And I think he's put in the work. And if it wasn't for that injury he had um, just a few seasons ago, I, I'm pretty sure we would have saw, saw him on the Kings for a good chunk of the season last year. Yeah, very true. How about you, Ryan? Uh yeah, I mean, Kapari, just from a ELC standpoint as well, um, he entering year two of it, Russ, you noted that he's put in um, a good amount of effort thus far. He's come back from that horrific uh, ACL injury at the, the World Juniors. Um, but I guess my other guy would be, besides Byfield, uh, Kaliev. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know where he plays right now. You have to move somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Brownie slides over to the left wing, if anything. 
to fit. Yeah, him. I mean, he's played he's played both mm-hmm. in his career. But I mean, if you look down, if you look down the right, I mean, yeah, what Harvidson, Kempe, Athanasiu, um, Anderson, yeah, Leish Anderson, and Leish Anderson. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and possibly Velarde. When in doubt, just guess Anderson. Yeah, right, <laughs> Anderson. But I think Leish Anderson actually is still waiver protected. Uh, uh no, he's not. He's, no not. he's not. He's not. No. Okay. Oh, I was looking at the wrong oh but I'm probably looking at the wrong Anderson. You know, <laughs> Mikey Anderson. Mikey you Anderson. Know, Anderson I'm looking at the wrong it. one. I'll tell you, you know, for me, obviously you guys know that I am I am banging on playing the Quinton Byfield and the NHL drum hard. And here's you guys just absolutely illustrated another point why. We know Quinton Byfield's a center. We know he is not going to be moved over to the wing. I think what needs to happen this season in Ontario is the Kings need to decide who is going to be a center and who is going to be a wing and stick with it. Right. Yeah. Because right now it's, there's, it's like mass confusion. Well, somebody can move over to the wing. Well, the other one could, but the other one could play center with these kids at their stage in their development. I think they need to really sit down and take a look, even if it's after training camp, right. Say, okay, you know, Rasmus Kapari, uh, Akil Thomas, you're going to be centers. Alex Turcott, you're a left wing, you know, whatever whatever it is they got to do tyler madden where are you going to put him are you going to make him a center you're going to make him a wing right so and especially since it looks like the the talent is going to be continuing to funnel into ontario too uh judging from what martin chromiak did i can't wait to see what he does after he's done with Mm -hmm. his year in kingston this year but anyways i got sidetracked um so i think that with that said they need to make the decision on who's going to be center who's going to be wing and i think having quentin byfield as a center a third line center at the Kings level, like I said, as long as he proves it in camp, will help facilitate that in Ontario. Because you're going to need to give top line minutes to somebody in Ontario, right? To see if they can handle being the center on a first line or a second line. Or what do we have? And what better way than to get them top line minutes at that particular position that you're going to want them to play? Whereas if you got Quentin Byfield as your first line center in Ontario, well, I guess we don't know who else could be a first line center because Quentin's going to be taking those minutes. So to me, that really kind of, uh, you know, makes the, makes the decision a little bit easier as far as that goes. My other guy, and I've already said it, is beyond a shadow of a doubt, Arthur Kaliev. I mean, yeah, like I said, this is the, the guy that the Kings have been waiting for, the trigger man, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? He looked really, really good in Ontario. He was the MVP last year in Ontario. I think he proved he can play at the AHL level. Yeah, I don't think there's much left for him to prove there. And I think if he's uh, going to be a legit NHL sniper and the guy that everybody thinks he can be, now is the time to start getting him acclimated to a full NHL schedule. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, don't, I wouldn't mind seeing. I think Arthur Kaliev is definitely a player that could probably get um, get some time and if we do see some injury. I mean, the thing the thing that you, we kind of forget about all this is that, yeah, this is the probably going to be the Kings roster going into the season with – the, the players that they have on the NHL roster right now. But, I mean, let's say a player goes down to injury, and that's kind of been the problem with past Kings teams is the depth, and there really hasn't been any depth. But now there seems to be some good depth um, scoring with Athanasiu coming back. I mean, Jared Anderson Dolan now has a, some time and experience under his belt, and Leah Anderson as well. So we'll see what happens. But I think if, if we do see a player go down, Arthur Kaliev is definitely a player I can see coming up and getting a full year. And he's got his entry level slide always already expired, so he's on his he's going to be on his ELC no matter what. So right, yeah, right. And I and I think that that's a very very valid point. I will say though, you know, I'm hoping that like in three years time, we are seeing either a first or second line LA Kings of Alex Turcotte, Quentin Byfield, and Arthur Kaliev. Imagine I, if that strikes gold. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's I, another guy. I mean, I, Turcotte will obviously start in Ontario to start the year, but I would imagine he could be up at the, with the Kings at some point uh, this season. I would. I just, at this point, I, I don't know where. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's, that's the thing, you know, you gotta, you really gotta, you know, lessen the population a little bit, so to speak, as far as like breaking the log jam, because there's just too many players, right. You know, just way too many players. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, that kind of leads into Richard's question is, it's, um, you know, if the Kings are going to make a deal at the deadline, what would it be for? And, you know, honestly, that's a little too far ahead for me to even try to predict what they're going to do because who knows what kind of situation they're going to be in, right? 
I mean, are they going to be a team that's going to need some more depth defense? Who knows injury strike, right? Or are they going to be looking for that big gun on left wing or right wing? Who knows, right? Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think any any the Kings are really going to be in a position, I feel like, at the trade deadline where – I mean, most trade deadline trades that we see are usually expiring contracts that teams mm-hmm. just bring in some – quality players just to help them out with the playoffs. And I don't think the Kings are at that point yet. So I think the next big trade we'll see for the Kings is maybe going to be next off season. I think they'll go through this season, maybe give a lot of these players some good evaluation. I, I, I can foresee the Kings just really stacking the Ontario rain and really going for the Calder cup and trying to get them into the Calder cup playoffs. Cause I mean, that, the Calder cup playoffs, I mean, that's, that's really good experience for Kings, like the young prospects to have. So, I mean, I could I definitely see that happening. So as far as trades going at the trade deadline, I don't really see anything happening. Well, I mean, Luke Robotai actually alluded to that on NHL network radio about the kids being able to play in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I think you were talking about the NHL playoffs, but even so, I mean, AHL playoffs is also, it's a playoff atmosphere, right? Yeah. So, that, actually, yeah. I was, I was talking about the Calder Cup. Yeah. I was yeah, talking about the Calder I mean, Cup. You know, yeah. um, I got a question for you guys. And it was just one that kind of just popped into my head. So let's say, let's take Alex Turcott, for instance, let's say he's tearing it up in the AHL. Right. And after say the all-star break, the Kings feel that he's ready to come up. Do you guys have a problem with using the first year of his, his or any other prospect that's tearing it up in Ontario using their first year of their ELC, even though it's not a full season. So say if they play 25, 30 games, do you have a problem with that? Sort of like what Anaheim did with Trevor Zegers and uh, Jamie Drysdale. Well, it, it, I mean, right now it doesn't matter at this point because their ELCs are burning no matter what. I mean, the only reason we talk about ELCs last year because we were talking about Arthur Kaliev or Quentin Byfield trying to get them playing time in the NHL. Because if you if we had given them more than six games, then that first year ELC would have been burnt no matter what. Right. So that's when when you heard like a Dennis Bernstein saying "burn, baby, burn," he was referring to Arthur Kaliev or Quentin Byfield getting seven games and getting a full look in the NHL. But at this point. The only person who's really you're thinking about entry or a couple, I guess, players is Quentin Byfield and Helga Grounds, who are players that can get nine games in the NHL and then still have that first year ELC transfer to next season. So any other player that we're talking about, they're on their contracts no matter what. So yeah, whether they're in their NHL or AHL, it doesn't matter. Very poor example on my part must be that. You're good. No, I mean, that's something something that the Kings will have to think about when you talk about Quentin Byfield. And that's something I've mentioned before that I could see Quentin Byfield maybe starting on the Kings roster at the start of the season for nine games and then getting sent back down. Because I want to, I mean, personally, I just want to see him playing and getting a really good top line minutes in the next World Juniors. And playing with Brant Clark, I think that would really be fun for Kings fans to watch. Uh, you know what, though? I think I'd rather see him in the NHL doing well in the NHL than playing in the World Juniors. That really Is that a for sure thing that he's playing? <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Ryan. I, I would, is that yeah, a for sure thing that he's going to play uh, for a third time? I would think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he was I guess... invited to. He was invited to this last summer camp, right. That they just had, that just finished, but he he didn't go, and I think it's just because the Kings want to keep him healthy. Um, so I, I can definitely see him playing in the World Juniors this coming season. That'll be interesting, that's for sure. Um, we could certainly say he would not have any more World Junior experience because, my God, he was a third one in a row. So. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Richard wants to know if we're going to be attending Frozen Fury. I can tell you, Richard, that I won't be. I'll be about 2,500 miles away. Um, <laughs> it'd be nice, but <laughs> um, uh, Ryan, Russ? Uh, no, I'll probably be, probably be on child number four by that point. <laughs> 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 oh, well, you certainly know how to put the puck in the net, man. <laughs> All right, so let's see. We got Dave to jo- to. Josias, I think that's how you say that. If I if I hammered your last name, I do apologize. Uh, anyways, he wants to know, besides Byfield, Velarde, and Leas Anderson, which young guns do you see making a push to make the opening night roster and forcing teams' hand to put someone on waivers? Now, I think we've already pretty much gone over this, but it does lead to an inter- interesting question out of that is, who's going to go on waivers? I think you think of player like Blake Lazat, maybe Austin Wagner, Carl Grunstrom for sure. I feel like is mm-hmm. the odd man out right now. Brendan Lemieux is another name. 
So, I mean, like Ryan, you had your piece come out just today about about those type of players. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, are we strictly looking at forwards here, guys? Uh, no, no, you know yeah. what? It's just roster spots. I mean, Mata's got to be another one. We talked about him earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Blake Lazad is probably out of time. I don't know where he slots in unless there's a a significant injury. Austin Wagner, he's on a pretty team friendly contract that you can get a fresh start elsewhere. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's really, it's, it's a really tough decision they're going to have to make. And that's why I say this, uh, this, this training camp is going to be out of control. I can tell you mm-hmm. that. Um, so <laughs> we got one here. Uh, well, it kind of, so Drew Doughty analytics apologist. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's absolutely awesome. And Russ, I think this one's more for you. Uh, he wants to know what will Doughty's, I think it's goal four percentage be this season. Uh, by the way, uh, just in case anybody doesn't know, I am not exactly well schooled in uh, analytics. That's why we have. Is there, a, is there a little X in front of it, Scott? Yeah, there's there's an X. Okay, in so it's <laughs> okay. okay, thank you, thank you very much. Um, you know, <laughs> as you guys know from uh, the hockey royalty articles, I am still a pen and paper guy. So, anyway, <laughs> Ross, hit us. What do you think? Well, he finished last season uh, 46.62, so a little underwhelming, I guess. Anything above 50 percent is what you'd say positive or net positive in terms of that. I mean, but I mean, now he's got a full season with Mikey Anderson under his belt, or I mean, I don't know if it's a full season, but I mean, 53, 50, 56, 56 games. You got 56 games with Mikey Anderson under his belt. Who knows? Maybe we can see that going up. And now that he's playing with more skilled forwards up up front. And I, I can definitely see it going up as well. So I, I can envision a good net positive for him, maybe hovering around 51, 52. I think yeah. so. And I, I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. I was to say the number I have in my head, and I don't know why it just popped in, but 52.1. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in my head. To the end of the yeah, just write it down and there tell me when I'm wrong. Maybe <laughs> a wheel of fortune. We're just going to spin the wheel and see where it lands. <laughs> yeah, but the last year, uh, Drew Doughty, um, sorry, excuse me. Drew Doughty and Mikey Anderson accounted for a 48.4. Expect a goal per uh, four percentage together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know oh. what? I mean, it's got to be just like analytics with anything else with the team, right? If the team improves, those numbers are bound to improve as well. It's really kind of hard to see how it couldn't. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I and I honestly, I I think the Drew Doughty we saw last year is the same Drew Doughty we're going to see now going forward, at least for the next few seasons, because you know the more talent you bring in and the better the team's playing. Obviously, that's only going to help him. And I, like I say, I'm just going to come right out and say it right now. I got faith in you, Drew, no matter what. <laughs> All right, we got one last one. And this was actually from um, from your piece, Ryan, a, a tweet about your piece. Uh, it's from Milan, and he wants to know, would Deno still be 3C when Byfield is called up this season? So Milan's pretty confident that By- Byfield will be called up this season. But does that mean Deno slides down this season? Uh, that's so tough to answer just with the log jam and everything. Um, I'll say no. I'll say Byfield is your third line center. Dano is 2C. But, I mean, a lot can change in that regard. Yeah, uh, I, I think if, if if Byfield is getting playing time, I think you'd have to slot him in at the third, third line center position. Quentin Byfield playing the 3C if he does get some look in the NHL this year. Um, and it's not just because of his skill. And I, I think it's just because of the skill he's going to be going up against. I, I don't want to see him going up against some top six uh, pairings or lines in the, in the NHL for his for, first, if he does get his first full season. Um, and, th- and that's kind of why Philip Deneau was brought in because you do want him going against those top six lines. So if he does get the look, third line center. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's, you know what, it, it, it's a, the more I think about it, I mean, a brilliant move bringing Dano in, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, and that's exactly why. And that's, you know, when they made that sign, that's why I said to you guys, I says, I almost think that, you know, barring catastrophe, I think that almost guarantees Byfield's going to be in the NHL this year. I mean, you know, there's plenty of number two picks that have jumped right to the NHL, and he's really not going to be jumping right to the NHL. Like I said, he's got AHL time. He's got plenty of international experience now. 
Um, but again, we'll see what happens in training camp because there's going to be a lot and lots of hungry hockey players uh, <laughs> battling out in El Segundo. That, you know what? That almost sounds like a video, doesn't it? The Battle of El Segundo. <laughs> Good luck with training LA camp. Productions. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, boys, that was a lot of fun, I got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, uh, I don't think that the Kings are done making moves. I, I really, you know, I, maybe they might take a little break now. I mean, they... Uh, they worked really yeah. hard over the past week. To... Yeah, what do, you, what do you think is the next move? What do I think is the next move? Yeah, if you had to predict. If I had to predict, I would think that it's going to involve moving out some forward depth. And I don't think they're going to get anything else but draft picks. Um, when you have that much forward depth, you really, you know, you, you can't expect to get help that's going to help you right now. You know, I mean, I will say that I was actually surprised by the, uh, the Cole Holtz and uh, Boko Mama trades. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I mean, I, I thought that the the organization had, you know, high hopes for for Cole Holtz, and I kind of thought that Amama might get a look at the NHL this year. To be perfectly honest with you, with you know McDermott moving on uh, to play that, you know, the the enforcer role, but uh, obviously that's not going to happen. Um, and I see they put they put Steenberg on waivers already, so I think that was kind of part of the even the deal up <laughs> numbers wise, but. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing his number retired in Ontario. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, speaking of Ontario, I mean, they brought in uh, a Garrett Sparks as well to add to the goaltender depth. Yeah. I mean, that's that's interesting in itself. Um, they just signed that kid uh, yesterday, too. The name Tynan. is... Yes, yes. Um, yeah, he was an uh, AHL MVP, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so... I mean, and that's the other thing too. How many more of these guys are going to be able to sign down or send down to Ontario when they're signing all these players on their own? So that's why I said to you guys, the Kings are going to have to buy an ECHL team just to <laughs> for, for all the overflow, you know. But uh, before we sign off, I do want to kind of discuss one interesting thing that I did see from a uh, draft weekend in the regards that after the Kings drafted Brant Clark, there's reports out there that said that they saw that Wallstead was falling. And they really wanted to move up to get him, and they just couldn't find anybody to to make the deal with. So I'm very curious to see what they were offering. Yeah, try to get back up into that. Where you know, did he go? End up going 20th overall. Yeah, to Minnesota. Yeah, and yeah I was behind Casa. Yeah, that surprised me. That mm-hmm. really did. I, I I mean, nothing to you know, not taking anything away from Casa, but I mean, with all the the fanfare that Walstead had coming in, right? To see him fall like that was. I mean, but it happens every draft year, right? Always somebody's falling. Always. Yep. You don't expect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially in this draft, we knew some, we knew a lot of people were going to fall and a lot of people were going to rise. And maybe the biggest riser was what, McTavish? McTavish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, right? But I mean, hey, good for him. But, you know, we, we won't be able to root for him too much longer. I know. So. We'll be seeing him very soon. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that would have been great though if the Kings could have actually pulled off a, a coup and got traded up to enough to be able to get uh, get Wallstead as well. But mm-hmm. even so, you can't take anything away from what they did. And like I said, overall, I think they did very well in free agency. Uh, regardless, they they definitely addressed the problem of trying to uh, keep Kopitar fresh. They definitely addressed the depth problem. And matter of fact, they over addressed it because now we got a lot more depth than we ever thought we would ever have. But uh, <laughs> that will all shake out eventually. So, yeah, I mean, just real quick, I love you guys may have talked, uh, spoken about it on the Twitter spaces a couple weeks ago, but I love the, the Kings approach to the draft. You know, I loved just taking guys in the first, second, and third round. You know, obviously, you can get these players uh, that emerge out of nowhere in the sixth and seventh round, but just get just get in and get out and it, it makes our lives easier too to 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 write about it and stuff but um but no uh, seriously but um you know the kings don't need like a ton of prospects they don't need nine more picks to, to no. sit in their prospect pool no. <laughs> no and that's and that's the whole thing i mean they're so deep that i mean you almost can't put any more in right i right. mean because don't forget you have a contract limit too so right. there's there's that to think about as well. And I mean, and, and still the, the talent that they don't even have signed yet, right? You don't have Chromiak signed. You don't have Simon Tavel signed. You know, I don't no, uh, Simon didn't sign his either, did he? Yet? No, no. He hasn't he's, he's got two more years with uh, St. Petersburg. So yeah, he won't. What, come over what about I mean, uh, 
I, I think I, did I see somewhere that Chromiak has to sign by the end of next season? Uh, he's going to be at OHL, so I don't think he needs to sign an ELC. He signed an ATO last year, so right. I, yeah, think, I, I, think, he, I think his ELC actually is okay. He has one more year I left. To, I need to dive into that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him though playing with Shane Wright. That's going to be fun Ooh, to watch. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. it is. That's too too bad the OHL didn't have like an OHL TV kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you guys, this has been a lot of fun getting together once again. Yeah. Um, You know, so we'll we'll do this again in about another week or so. Um, We'll see who we we get lined up for a guest. And uh, hopefully there'll be some more news. Good news, of course, but uh, Mm -hmm. news nonetheless. But with that said, I think we've, uh, we've covered all we can for tonight. So... For Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kimville. Thanks for listening, and go Kings go.